Thanks to this season's presenting sponsor, Driscoll's. Only the finest berries. Hello, young chefs, and welcome back to Mystery Recipe. I'm Molly Birnbaum, Editor-in-Chief of America's Test Kitchen Kids. And I'm Mitzi, Ovendit, Molly's right-hand gal and co-host on the show. Every week on Mystery Recipe, we'll be talking about the fun, fantastical, and fascinating sides of a different kitchen ingredient. That's right. It's what we do. Plus, at the end of the season, we'll use all the ingredients to cook a mystery recipe together. Can you guess what it is yet? So far, we know it will contain pepper, but that's also all we know. Yeah, kind of a tough guess. Well, it's day two of Pepper Week. Woohoo! That's right. Today, we have a crushing edition of Tricky Trivia, followed by a spicy history lesson in Ask a Grown-Up. And to round off today's very informative episode, our friend Andrea is back with How To Time. Most importantly and excitingly, we are joined today by our new season four intern, Susie the Saucepan. Say hi, Susie. Hi, Susie. Yeah, you're so funny. She's so funny, Molly. Thank you. Susie, would you do the honors for today? I would love to. Wow. Listeners, to the theme song. A natural. Looks good. I bet it tastes good. Ooh. Girl power. Mystery recipe. Molly. Listeners, I am so excited for you all to get to know Susie this season. Uh, Do you want to introduce yourself for us, Susie? Well, sure. Hi there, listeners. Let's see. I'm Susie. I use she, her pronouns. I'm a saucepan, and I super duper love learning. I love just about every subject in school, but my absolute favorites were science and math. I just love getting all comfy on the couch and cuddling up with a nice physics textbook. Physics, listeners, is a type of fancy science-math combo all about how quickly things fall down. (laughs) Sort of. Molly, it is so nice to meet you. I have heard such amazing things about you. And honestly, it's so great to see a woman like you crushing it as editor-in-chief. I, too, plan on being a boss someday, just like you. Well, thank you, Susie. Honestly, friends, I am loving all this girl power. Girl power! Yeah! Susie and I have been hanging out for only like three hours, but we're already very close. It's true! We're practically finishing each other's physics textbooks! Speaking of, Susie, I'm really trying to get through this thing, but when does it get to the funny parts? It's a little dense. There are no funny parts, Mitzi. Oh, well, that's fine too. I'm going to go give this chapter another shot. Susie, are you ready for your first mystery recipe segment ever? Good luck. See you later. Super duper ready. I have been up all night studying. What are we going to be talking about? Molecular gastronomy? The worldwide culinary impact of in-home refrigeration? Love those suggestions. But no, it's Pepper Week on Mystery Recipe, so we're going to talk about pepper. The berries of the viney piper nigrum plant or the bell pepper variety, a species of flowering plant in the nightshade family, Solanacea. 
The berries of the Piper nigrum plant. But look at you with all Latin names. I really was up all night studying. I am super duper excited. Well then, let's get started. It's time for Tricky Trivia. Susie, I'm going to give you a fact about our ingredient theme, and you have to help our listeners guess if it's true or false. Are you ready to play? So ready. Let's do this, listeners. All right, here's your first one. It's a good idea to store your peppercorns in a bright, sunny area. So, Susie, is that true or false? Is it a good idea to store your peppercorns in a bright, sunny area? Hmm, this is a good question, Molly, but I'm pretty sure the answer to this one is false, and I'd love to tell you why. Well, you are correct, Susie. What a great start to your time on the show. Why is it not a good idea to store peppercorns in a bright, sunny area? Well, Molly, pepper gets some of its aroma and flavor from a compound called piperine. However, piperine loses its pungency, or its strength of flavor, when it is exposed to light. The light's energy actually rearranges the molecules and changes piperine into a nearly tasteless molecule called isochavacine. That is 100% correct. Amazing job, Susie. It is important to store peppercorns in a cool, dark place, just like most other spices. Even whole peppercorns lose a lot of their flavor after a month or so in a pepper grinder. But keeping them in a warm, sunny spot will certainly make things worse. Molly, this is super fun. Where do you get these questions from? Well, from all over. But we do a lot of our research in books like On Food and Cooking by Harold McGee. McGee, huh? I hope they have that at the library. Okay, I'm ready for my next question. All right, here it is. In the Roman cookbook Apicius, one of the oldest surviving cookbooks known to humankind, black pepper is listed as an ingredient in 80% of the recipes. So, Susie, is this true or false? Is black pepper in 80% of the recipes in the Roman cookbook Apicius? Whoa! One of the oldest surviving cookbooks ever? That's amazing, Molly! Super duper cool! I actually have no idea with this one, but let's think. I know pepper has been around a long, long time, and so has the Roman Empire. Generally thought to have begun in 27 BCE and lasting through the 4th century, it would make sense for a very old cookbook to be from Roman times. But the tricky part of this question, I think, is the percent. 80% of any recipe book is a lot of recipes. For that reason, Molly, I'm going to have to say false. Uh, I'm sorry, Susie, but the answer is actually true. Apicius, also known as Dere Culinaria or Dere Coquinaria, on the subject of cooking, is a collection of Roman cookery recipes. It is thought to have been compiled in the first century AD, which means around the year 100. And 80% of the recipes do feature pepper. Pepper was pretty popular in the Roman Empire. All right, are you ready for your last question today, Susie? Super ready. Let's do this, listeners. All right, Susie, true or false, there is such a thing as pink peppercorns. So, Susie, is this true or false? Are there pink peppercorns? Ah, uh, no way! I mean, pink is my favorite color. How cute would pink peppercorns be? I mean, I want pink peppercorns on everything now. It might just be wishful thinking, but I'm going to say true. You're right, Susie. This one is true. There are pink peppercorns. But unlike green, black, and white pepper, which are made from the same berries, pink peppercorns come from a different plant entirely. Pink peppercorns are fruits of the Brazilian pepper tree. 
Its attractive pink fruits were first sold as a type of pepper in the U.S. in the 1980s. But because they contain an irritating compound called cardinal, they have limited uses in food. This compound is different than things that are spicy. It's related to poison ivy. Interesting. What kinds of foods can you use pink peppercorns in? Well, some people like to use pink peppercorns in a curry or a meat sauce, and some people like to just eat them whole. But they do pack a punch, so be warned. Well, I'm not much for spicy foods, Molly, so I think I might just stick to black pepper for now. But fun to know they come in pink. Susie, amazing job with Tricky Trivia today. I am so excited to have you on the show as our intern this season. Me too. Thanks so much, Molly. I'm very excited to be here. So what brought you to ATK Kids? What are you trying to get out of your internship with us here for season four? Honestly, Molly, like I mentioned before, I just think it's so cool that you're in charge here. I think girls and women can accomplish so much, and I'm really proud and excited to be learning leadership skills and growing my self-confidence here on the show. And I'm really excited to make new friends here, too. Hi, Susie! Speaking of, hi, Mitzi. Susie, I've tried to read this chapter on inertia, but I feel like I keep losing my momentum. <laughs> Good one, Mitzi. Uh, what's the joke? Great timing, Mitzi. We just finished Tricky Trivia. Oh, how'd it go? Great! I can already tell I'm going to learn a ton being here. Oh, hooray! So am I. Honestly, Susie, I'm like already maxing out my brain muscles for the day, and we still have two segments left. That's true, Mitzi. Well, we can give your brain muscles a little bit of a break because it's time for a quick word from our sponsors. Grownups, these ads are for you. Hey, grownups. I want to tell you about our sponsor, the Kroger family of stores. If you're anything like me, it's easy to let grocery shopping fall to the bottom of your to-do list. Kroger's grocery delivery service has taken the stress out of the process. You don't even need to leave your house. Shop online and get fresh groceries delivered to your house in as little as an hour. Shopping couldn't be simpler. It's easy to find the items you buy often, or you can search for exactly what you're looking for. Then schedule a delivery time that works for you and get back to what matters most. Save time and order online with Kroger's Grocery Delivery. Learn more at Kroger.com. I want to tell you about our sponsor, Driscoll's. Driscoll's berries are sweet snacks worth sharing straight out of the clamshell. I told my daughter, Olive, all about them while we snacked on some Driscoll's blackberries. What do you think? Do you think those berry innovators did a good job of making sweet and delicious berries? Yes, a lot. Do you think that's a job you would want to have one day? Maybe. I'll decide when I grow up. You love the berries more than I love the berries? I don't know if that's possible. It is. I know it is. The sweetness isn't just inside these Driscoll's blackberries. It's also in the moments they help make. To discover where you can buy berries worth sharing, head to driscolls.com slash ATKKids. That's driscolls.com slash ATKKids. And we're back. You know, Mitzi, if you really want to learn about inertia and momentum, I can tell you about Rube Goldberg machines. Really? What's that? Let's go look it up. Listeners, you can Google this too if you want. They are pretty neat. 
Well, while you two go do that, it's time for our next segment. Hey, Molly. Chad! Hi, Chad! Hi, you must be Susie. It's very nice to meet you. Welcome to Mystery Recipe. Thanks so much. Super duper excited to be here. Come on, Susie. Let's go check out those rude iceberg machines. Okay. It's Rube Goldberg, by the way. Right. What did I say? So, Chad, what are we learning about today in Ask a Grown-Up? Well, Molly, I thought it was interesting that pepper has found its way next to salt in kitchens and restaurants around the world. And so I wanted to find out why. How did this dried ground berry from India end up as arguably the most popular spice in the Western world? And what did you find? Let's start at the beginning. In order to learn more about pepper, I found an expert. Hi, Chad. I'm Krishnandu Ray. I'm the chair of a department called Nutrition and Food Studies at New York University. And I uh, teach something called sociology and food culture. Krishnandu started by explaining a little bit more about where pepper comes from. So black pepper comes from a part of India, uh, in the south of India, from a state called Kerala, and a little uh, around it called the Malabar Coast. That is a very small, specific area, which means a long time ago, before planes and big cargo ships made transporting things across the world possible, this one dried berry from the Malabar Coast was hard for people to get. And because pepper was so hard to come by, it was also very expensive. But... People in Europe wanted pepper because it was yummy, because it smelled amazing, and they had never seen anything like it before. And most importantly, because the rich and powerful could afford to buy it and consume it, and then the rest of the people wanted to mimic them. Because pepper was so expensive, only the richest and most powerful people could have it. And everyone wanted to be like the rich and powerful people. So, around the 1400s and the 1500s, there was a lot of demand for pepper. Demand is a word we use when a lot of people want something. Demand is only goes as far as it's, I want it, I want it, I want it. Just because you want it, you can't get it. To get it, you had to get people to produce it, get people to collect it. Uh, and so you had to press people more and more and pay them very little in terms of money to get these things. The downside of this, the price at which you buy the spices had to be kept low and the price at which you had to sell the spices had to be high to make the real profits. Basically, the people gathering this pepper in India were paid only a little bit of money to harvest and prepare these spices. And with that comes people being treated unfairly. And with that often comes violence. And in this case, there was a lot of both of these things happening to the people in India. People from Europe didn't pay them much in order to take their pepper, sell it back to the richest people in Europe, and make a lot of money doing so. Eventually, as the story always goes, pepper became less expensive. It became easier to transport it across the world, and people started growing it in different places. And so the price went down. And that is when European poor people, working class people, you will begin to find pepper. And so that becomes common. That is when the salt and the pepper shaker becomes visible everywhere. Every table, every dining table. 
So you can see that demand has a big impact. It impacts the price you pay for the things that you want. And in some cases, it can impact the way workers producing things are treated. So how can we as individual people who buy things make sure our money is supporting people being treated fairly? Dr. Krishnendu Ray suggested we look at the labels. Totally. Sustainable and fair trade are good words to look at. We should be looking for those words and asking for things we want should be sustainable environmentally and sustainable for people's lives. Thanks for that story, Chad. And thanks again to Krishnendu Ray for teaching us all about the power and effect of demand. No problem, Molly. See you next week. Molly, you have got to see this. Did you know about these rolled cyborg machines? <laughs> Actually, it's Rube Goldberg, Mitzi. I did. Susie, I bet you can give our listeners an explanation. I'd love to. A Rube Goldberg machine, named after the American cartoonist Rube Goldberg, is a chain reaction type machine or contraption that's purposefully made to perform a simple task in an overly complicated way. Usually, there's lots of different things happening. Dominoes might fall onto a ball, which will roll into a cup that triggers a seesaw, eventually resulting in an anticlimactic end. Like raising a soup spoon to someone's mouth. They're just fun and funny. And there's like a hundred million different ones on YouTube. I'm falling down a serious rabbit hole here, Molly. Hey, I have an idea. Do you think we could build one? One of those uh, machines? I think that would be super fun. What do you think, Molly? I'd love to try. How about a kitchen Rube Goldberg machine? What's the most complicated thing we can possibly build to help us make some toast? Hooray! A challenge! I love a good challenge. I'm super duper excited. Hi, friends. Andrea! Andrea, I'd love to introduce you to our new intern, Susie. Susie, this is Andrea. Hello. Andrea, I've actually done a bit of research already. Andrea is a test cook here at America's Test Kitchen Kids. That means she works on developing recipes and experiments for our cookbooks and things like the Young Chef's Club boxes. You can find out more about all that fun stuff by going to atkkids.com. And can I just say, big fan, super excited to meet you. I loved the Pop-Tart recipe you developed for the complete DIY cookbook for young chefs. So genius the way you made sure they fit into a toaster. Oh, thank you so much, Susie. It's really great to meet you, and I can't wait to work with you on how-to time this season. We want you to practice your cooking techniques while you're our intern, so every week I'm going to teach you something new to up your arsenal of kitchen skills. Great! Well, I am ready. Let's do this. I love the enthusiasm, Susie. So for pepper week, I thought it would be a good idea to learn about grinding pepper. Oh. What's up? You don't seem thrilled. Well, it just seems like maybe not the most efficient route. I'm sorry, I don't mean to be rude, but why would we grind our own pepper when we could just buy pepper that's already been ground for us? That's a very good question, Susie. It's definitely true that you can buy ground pepper at the grocery store, which arguably can save you a step in the kitchen. See? I love efficiency. But there's a big difference between pepper that's pre-ground and pepper you grind yourself. We're going to learn all about that in our next episode, though. For now, you're just going to have to trust me on this. I want to spend today talking about how to use a pepper mill. Hooray! I 
I know how to do this, but I just kind of have seen other people do it. So it'll be nice to learn about what's actually happening on the inside. Perfect. Well, let's get started then. A pepper mill is a very common tool for grinding peppercorns. It looks like a long tube with a top part that turns. It's almost like a really tall chess piece. Or the leg of a small chair, maybe? I think both of those are pretty spot on. Nicely done, Susie. This pepper mill has lots of parts to it that all work together to grind pepper. First, you have the knob or top nut, which is the small metal ball at the very top. My guess is that screws on and off so you can take the mill apart to add more peppercorns? That is true. It has another job that we will get to later though. Below the knob is the spindle handle, which you use to crank or spin the mill. That spindle handle comes off so you can add more peppercorns, just like you said. You add peppercorns to the shaft, which is hollow on the inside, and at the bottom of the shaft, there are two pieces of metal called burrs. Burrs? Are they cold? No, not burrs like what you might say in the winter. A burr is also a word for something that is sharp. These two metal burrs rotate against each other when you turn the spindle handle. The peppercorns are forced into the space between the burrs where they're crushed into fragments that are small enough to fall out of the hole in the bottom of the mill. Huh. So the peppercorns that are inside the shaft fall down into the burr, which rotates when you spin the spindle handle. And the burr crushes the peppercorn into the fine little bits of pepper I'm used to seeing on my food? That's exactly right, Susie. All you have to do is turn the top part of the mill to get freshly ground pepper. Let's try it. Hold the long tube in one hand like this and use your other hand to turn the top part. Oh yeah, I'm all over this. I did it! I can feel the pepper getting ground up inside. That was so cool. Hey, question, Andrea. What's up, Susie? You said that the knob or top nut at the top had a second job. Can you tell me what it is yet? I can. That's a great question. You can use the knob at the top of a pepper mill to decide how coarse or fine the pepper coming out of the mill will be. If you turn the knob clockwise, you'll have a finer grind. And if you turn it counterclockwise, you'll have a coarser grind. A finer grind, listeners, means the pieces of pepper coming from the pepper mill will be teeny tiny, like tiny grains of sand. And if you have a coarser grind, that means the pieces are a little bigger. Exactly. Thanks for helping me out with that explanation, Susie. I know we're just meeting, Andrea, but I got your back. Don't worry. Good to know. I've got yours too, Susie. Speaking of having your back, it looks like you have some pepper on you. Here, I'll dust it off for you. (laughs) Thanks, Andrea. And thanks for teaching me how a pepper mill works. So cool. Almost as cool as you are, Susie. Aw, that was so sweet. All right, that's it for me this week. I'll see you next week, Susie. Bye, friends. Bye, Andrea. Well, that's about all the time we have for today. Hooray! Well, uh, sorry, listeners. That was very uncharacteristic of me. I wasn't excited for the episode to end, I promise. I was just excited to build a Rube Goldberg machine with Susie. Me too, me too, me too! Well, we'll be back soon with another peppery episode. We'll see how your science knowledge shakes out in our pressing questions segment, followed by an action-packed wildcard. And remember, at the end of the season, we'll be using all of our ingredients in a very special mystery recipe to cook together. 
Can you guess what it is yet? If you love Mystery Recipe, be sure to subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. That way, you won't miss an episode. And feel free to leave us a review. We love reading them. Until then, keep keep on on cooking. cooking. Mystery Recipe is hosted by me, Molly Birnbaum, and I am a Sour Patch Kid. Chad Chennai is our writer and producer. He's a peanut butter cup. Our executive producer is Caitlin Kelleher. She's a lemon meringue pie. Andrea Vavjin is a Biscoff cookie, and Katie O'Hara is a chocolate brownie cookie, and they are both contributing writers on our show. Scoring, sound design, and mixing by Anya Jeshik, strawberry shortcake, and Matt Boynton, an orange creamsicle, of Ultraviolet Audio. Jonathan Roberts composed our theme music and is a key lime pie. Our director of post-production is Jen Margolis. She's a cannoli. Our line producer is Diane Knox, who is a chocolate lava cake. Jack Bishop is the chief creative officer of America's Test Kitchen. He's a lattice-top peach pie. David Nussbaum is our CEO, and he's chocolate avocado pudding. Special thanks to our senior science editor, Paul Adams, executive editor, Kristen Sargianis, executive food editor, Susanna McFerrin, associate art director, Gabby Hamanoff, senior editor, Afton Cyrus, associate editors, Katie O'Hara and Tess Berger, test cooks, Andrea Vavjin and Cassandra Laughlin, and assistant test cook, Kristen Bango. Special thanks to Krishnendu Ray. This episode featured the voices of Kira O'Sullivan and Brianna Maya. Thanks again to our sponsors, Kroger, Driscoll's, and Green Pan. Mystery Recipe is a production of America's Test Kitchen Kids. Molly, want to see the Rube Goldberg machine Mitzi and I made? Of course. Look, you start by knocking over all these dominoes, which knocks this billiard ball down a ramp until it weighs down a trap door, which reveals Oliver's favorite snack. Then, when he goes to eat it, he pulls the string we gently tied to his tail, which knocks the toast into the toaster and pushes this marble down another ramp. Which knocks this big, heavy book off the shelf right onto Chad's toes. Wait, what? And after he's done hopping around in pain, we told him to press the lever down on the toaster. You left out the hopping around in pain part, actually. Here, let's give it a go! Wait! Ah! Hi, grown-ups. I wanted to tell you a little bit about our newsletter. If you love the fun food content we share on Mystery Recipe, then sign up today for our ATK Kids newsletter to receive even more recipes, activities, and stories from me straight to your inbox. As a mom of two, I always try to include things that are important to my family, and it's a great way to hear about all the new things we are cooking up at ATK. Plus, every new email added will be entered for a chance to win three free ATK Kids books for toddlers through teens. We'll draw 10 winners every month while the promotion lasts, and we have some great books available all the time. Head to atkkids.com newsletter to sign up today for your chance to win.